Okay, guys, welcome back to the Vigo Rugby Podcast. This is the season finale of the lockdown specials. Jake's here with his mask on, making sure he doesn't catch anything because it is that day in the UK. Uh, and Tony's here too. You guys both all right? Yeah, great, mate. Good, good, good. Obviously, the show today is brought to you by Checksfield Plastering and Social Media Crew. Check them out online. Um, we've got an interesting one today. We've got John Whitehead coming in for a chat. We've got some commuter chat with James Clements. But before that, we've got some Fantasy 15s to start off with. Um, before we get into it, guys, have you both been all right? Yeah. Yeah, not bad at all, mate. Uh, pre-season started. Three weeks down. Um, and... Only a little bit, only a little bit broken, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, only a little bit. The, le- the, legs, the, the legs are starting to feel okay after the session. <laughs> when are the uh, when are the sessions, Tony? If anyone wants to get involved, uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights. Um, drop drop me a message if you do, because at the moment we still got limitations, obviously because of the corona stuff. Um, so we can have twenty three max. Um, but yeah, so half seven till nine, Tuesday and Thursday nights, up at the rugby club. Perfect. Sounds good to me. I'll be making my way up at some point, I'm sure. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Jake, you've been doing all right with training. Are your legs aching a bit or are they all right from all the cycling over lockdown? That's been all right. I had a, a little uh, thigh quad problem after some of the countless sprints that we've done, but I had a session off and uh, touch wood, feeling a lot better. Good, good, good. good we're to slowly hear. getting a little bit more. The rugby ball comes out a little bit more now, which is good. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to touching a rugby ball properly. That's going to be a good, a good moment, I reckon. I mean, they're not good for rugby balls. It's just the ball. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been watching the uh, any of the rugby at all? The Super Rugby Australia New Zealand at all? Yeah, any rugby is rugby. Doesn't matter. Tony hasn't. <laughs> I can tell from Tony's face. Jake, you It's not the perfect morning, to be fair. You wake up, flick it on, and it's just sitting there. You're like, oh, well, I might as well watch this. It's cracking. In fact, like Tony, if you want to get into it, tomorrow morning is the Western Force against the Brumbies. And I know that there is some New Zealand rugby going on tomorrow morning. Yeah, it's the Crusaders against the Hurricanes tomorrow morning. And then Sunday morning, the Blues versus the Chiefs, which would be pretty Unless big. Unless you're listening to this podcast and they've already happened. Yeah, so I'm talking about Saturday the 25th and Sunday the 26th of July, which are probably mm. last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Unless I'm very speedy with it this week, of course. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys, let's, uh, let's roll straight in to our Fantasy 15s, if, if you're keen. This week it was Musicians. Um, I don't know how you guys did, but I found it quite tough. Real tough. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I'm also possibly going to be offensive, just as a quick warning to everyone. Yeah, a little bit. Perfect. <laughs> Who wants to start? I can go. Me, is it? Or... <laughs> All right, Tony. You... <laughs> right. Uh, okay, straight off the bat, a guy called Chris Burney. Uh, anyone who knows Bowling for Soup, he oh, is yeah. the big old bassist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, he's, in my, uh, he's in my front row. 
Uh, I've gone for DJ Khaled in yeah. my hooker. Yeah. Uh, alongside CeeLo Green. Oh, mate, what front row? What I feel like is a, is a pretty, pretty meaty front row. That is a lot stronger than mine. <laughs> uh, I've then gone for Duff McKagan, who, as we all know well, uh, was a bassist for Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, but he's also 191 centimetres, so he is my line-out option. <laughs> because I haven't got anyone else that I think can jump. So I come straight in at five with John Cena. Yeah. Nice. He's had a strong he? He's a rapper. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Just more than chicken than mine. <laughs> Sorry, it's just solid as my 13, so it's absolutely mine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, on the blind side, I've got 50 Cent, my boy. Sure. Uh, number seven, I've got Marky Mark, naturally. Yeah, nice. Brilliant. Get him in there. And then I've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who, at number eight, who has at least a song, thanks Disney, cheers. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh man, your team is—I mean, your team is basically the England to my cliff. <laughs> Literally, it's like, has he done a song? Yes, get him in. <laughs> but, um, I only—I only went to John Cena because of all the pre-game playlists that he's in, like all the time. <laughs> Uh, I, I almost got slightly sensible with my backs, but not really. Um, uh, number nine, I've got Brian Adams. I just think he's uh, not the tallest character, so I reckon he, and he can get about, and he's durable. I mean, he's still going at 60-odd, whatever. I don't know how old he is. He still looks 30. Good Martin. That's true. Uh, I've gone with Dean Martin at 10. Um, I think everyone will probably have to look him up, maybe. But uh, he's a very cool character, and I think he's going to uh, run the run the show for me quite well. Yeah, stay calm under pressure, that guy. Absolutely. Uh, I've just realised that Marky Mark is also on the wing, so I'll come back to, to that wing. <laughs> um, you can't play two positions. Unless you can't. Oh, I'll tell you what. Play. I had. So I had a. I had a. I had a maybe. Um, who I'll put in as Andy Cole, who had a song called Outstanding, apparently. Oh, how have I not put John Barnes in my team? I've just yeah. realised. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so we'll go with Andy Cole on the wing. Um, Will Smith at 12. Yeah, nice. Mm, very nice. He'll handle that. Uh, this is a bit rogue, but I've gone with so Jermaine Clement from uh, Flight of the Concords. Okay. Um, because he filled out for he played Boris the Animal in Men in Black Three. Yeah. Yeah. And he and he proper filled out for it, so I reckon he can. I reckon he could do a job at thirteen. Uh, I've gone for Nelly on my other wing. Yeah, obviously, because he makes people who are fast look not fast. <laughs> As Jake reminded yeah. uh, reminded me on Tuesday, and uh, I've gone for Tim McGraw at fifteen. 
Yeah. Guy's in great shape. No. I've just, just found out. I mean, I knew that the whole time. But yeah, great shape. Top shape. Well, I mean, to be honest, that is... That's up there. It's definitely better than my Yeah, it's up there, that. Definitely better than mine, too. I think we're going to be playing out for second place. Do you, uh, do you want to go next, Jake? Yeah, go on, I'll go. So, uh, I've gone Sean Kingston, for obvious reasons, as my first prop. Oh, no. yeah, of course. It's not a bad hooker, either. <laughs> Yeah. I've gone for, uh, I've gone for the, well, the reason he's not my hooker is Lizzo's at hooker and she's a little bit shorter than I thought she was, but she's, obvious reasons. Uh, then I've gone for the notorious B.I.G. Uh, uh, yeah. Big boy. The other And then, uh, so this is where Googling tall singers come in. Uh, Mick Fleetwood, who is the drummer from Fleetwood Mac, is yeah. 195 centimetres. Yeah. And uh, I think you might have this one, uh, David Hasselhoff. He's my uh, other second row. He's, he's also second, quite tall. He's not in the second row, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> um, and then I've gone for, uh, as flankers are, are known to cheat, I've gone for Shaggy on one flank. Because <laughs> yeah. you're one um, <laughs> and then, so Martin Lawrence as my seven. The only reason I've really got him is because Will Smith's my eight, so bad boys. Yeah. Uh, Ollie Murs at nine because he's a little bit short and. He's in quite a good nick. Um, Drake, like Drake at 10. Mm. He plays a lot of basketball, so I feel like he'd be all right with his hands. It might not be typical rugby style, but... Distributor. Um, I've gone for Jason Derulo on one wing. Uh, mainly because he's in real good nick. Um, Craig David at 12. Nice. Usher at 13 for those quick feet. Oh, completely forgot. I've gone for Sam Fitton on the other wing. Fair. Fair play. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> he had a song with Chris Kamara for the, I think it was the 2000, it's like 2012 or 2014 Euros or something. <laughs> so he has got a proper song and he's got like, they've released stuff. So he, and I know he can play that's, rugby. That's that really fair. I can't believe none of it. I've gone for Ben Foden at fullback. Uh, nice. He was on the X Factor, so yeah, that was released at some point. Yeah, so at least there's one rugby player in it. That's it. That is it. I mean, yeah, that's also gonna piss all. He's gonna run an absolute rings round of all of my team. So fucked. I mean, he's gonna. Your team is gonna go through my team zone, and Jake's team is gonna run around my team. But no matter what, I ain't gonna win. <laughs> uh, right, mine has also got a slightly older feel about it. Nice. Um, yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll see how we do. It's a good blend. I think they'd be a good, um, they'd be good tourists. Like they wouldn't, they'd go and play a game of rugby, but they wouldn't be that serious about it unless it got a bit aggy, and then they get yeah, serious nice. just in time to win it and have a beer after. So first up is old Adele before she lost oh. weight. Um, because I needed a, a prop, and obviously Skinny Adele isn't going to cut it a prop, but old Adele will. Uh, no, uh, my other prop's Pavarotti. Large. Oh, I thought Pavarotti when we first talked about this, and then, yeah, nice. Well played. Big fella. Um, at Hooker, I've just gone with the large people, um, and at Hooker, you got for me, you've got to be a little bit mental to go to play Hooker, to be honest. Uh, hooker, I've gone for Meatloaf. Um, 
Big Boy and Little Bit Nuts. Great boys. Um, number four and five, second row, I did what you guys did, Googled some tall musicians. I found that Blake Shelton is uh, over 190 centimetres. And also, which I feel like is my joker for the team here. Well, not my joker, but like he could, he could make the difference. Snoop Dogg in the second row. Nice. Dangly. Dogg. I saw Snoop <laughs> He's above 190. And if things kick off, you want him yeah. and his boys. All of the boys. Side. You want him on your yeah. side. Uh, at six, I've got MC Neutrino because we know he's a rugby player, because we played with him. Yeah. Um, seven, I've got Kanye West. Probably in half-decent shape, or he was at one point. And he's a bit spiky, isn't he? He's a bit of a, an angry oh, yeah. seven character. Uh, one of the president, I suppose. Yeah, maybe he'll rule the world one day. Who knows? Yeah. Um, at nine, gone for a bit of style, a bit of swag with Mick Jagger. He's a little nice. bit short as well. Um, at ten... I went for the only man, really, who could be the captain and who could just have complete control, the king, Elvis Presley, number 10. Nice. Got a bit of meat on him in later life, but I figured maybe in early career, he was a runner, kicker, control the game. Later on in life, just became crash ball 10. That's it. Straight up. <laughs> that is the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the centres, I've gone for Peter Andre from the 90s. That's well. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah so taking the crash balls, just hitting the line. And at 13, I've gone for Ireland's number one uh, accordion backing player who also can play the fiddle and piano on the backing of multiple Irish hits, Robbie Henshaw. <laughs> <laughs> Who's my big man. He's going to win the game for me. <laughs> Oh, if, he wasn't, say, yeah, if he wasn't allowed, I have Will Smith as a backup. <laughs> um, on the wings, I had David Hasselhoff, because I thought he spends a lot of time running, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, number 14, possibly controversially, I had Michael Jackson. Because, I mean, I know he's not the fellow you want in the changing rooms, especially not coaching the minis. But he spent a lot of time running from paparazzi and stuff. So I reckon he's had a lot of practice. And also, great, feet. also, great footwork. Yeah, great footwork. He's going to step left. Imagine that center. celebration. And also, I mean, if you want to see evidence of someone running away from someone, just look at him getting away from the police for all them years. Do you know what I mean? He's <laughs> running away constantly. Uh, and then a fullback. I just thought you've got to be a bit weird to want to stand on your own at the back, at the back there alone and be a bit of a nutcase to throw yourself into people. I went for Ozzy Osbourne. I saw Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> I thought, no. Chuck him in. He's rogue, isn't he? I mean, he might not. He's that guy that maybe won't turn up. And if he does, he's probably going to be sick under the post. So keep him away. To be, to be fair, you break the line and you're faced one-to-one -one with Ozzy Osbourne. I'd be a bit freaked out, to be fair. <laughs> so, I mean, solid work on the teams, guys. You must, uh, we must have put in a lot of preparation uh, and time. Oh, weeks. A lot of research. <laughs> so much. That's a good. That's a good effort, guys. It's a good effort. All right, we are joined by James Clements for some commuter chat. How are you doing, James? Not bad. Not bad. How are you doing yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. We were. Uh, we got Tony on the line here as well. How are you doing, yeah. Tony? Hey, mate. 
So, mate, are you ready for some commuter chat? We're going to go from your bed to your front door because your commute to York seems like a little bit long, long-winded for our questioning. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I'm sitting on the edge of my bed Great now. Great stuff. All right, I'm going to give you the countdown, then we'll start asking questions. There's only two possible answers. you just got to answer as quickly as you can. No worries. All right, three, two, one, go. Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. McDonald's or Burger King? Burger King. Red or black? Red. Pink or brown? Pink. Jade or Luke? Jade. Rocky or Rambo? I haven't seen either. Sheep or cows? Cows. Salt or sweet? Sweet. Sarries or Quinns? Sarries all day. Rugby or football? Rugby. Nice. And we're going to stop there. Ten questions. Nice work. You answered them pretty well, actually. Pretty quick. Luke's not going to get it. <laughs> I think I'm surprised you didn't pull me up on the Rocky or Rambo. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe you haven't seen it, but the fact that Luke and you haven't seen it now is completely ridiculous, to be honest. <laughs> we might have a movie night then. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have a movie <laughs> night. All right, thanks for coming on and doing community chat with us, James. No worries, thanks for having me. You go and enjoy your uh, your work day or your end of work day shower. No, I am going to shower. I'm going down to Hastings with Jade. Oh, nice. Oh, Delightful. Chips. Yeah, spot on. Watch out for those seagulls. Yeah, bastards. <laughs> Speak to you later. No worries. Yeah, mate. Um, okay, so we should now be joined by coach John Whitehead. John, are you there? I am. I am. How, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Tony's here too. Yeah, you all right, John? Good. Um, so, John, I hope it's all right with you. What we wanted to do today was take a bit more of a, a kind of deep dive into where you came from before you were with us. A lot of the time, I think we, uh, we're probably quite guilty of all just thinking that you didn't exist before you came to Vigo. So, um, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people think I didn't. But... <laughs> <laughs> it'd be good to find out a bit more about what you did before. So, we want to want to go back to the start. So I want to start with um, if you can think back as far as you can. I know it's a long way, um, but wow. think back as far as far as you can. When is the first time that you remember enjoying rugby, whether that's playing or watching or anything? Yeah, I mean, I was I suppose relatively quite late um, coming to rugby. I didn't really start until I was about fourteen, fifteen. Um, I lived um, around the Welling Bexley Heath area, and then we moved down to um, down to the Medway Towns, and that's when I found rugby. And, um, up until that point, I'd always played that wretched game football. Oh no! Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and it was just um, yeah. I, I went uh, started a new school. Um, obviously. Uh, we played uh, rugby and games, and um, I just loved it. It enabled me to do all the things um, that I couldn't do when I played football. Mm, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I hit people. Yeah, it was something that I just, I just, I, you know, once I, I loved it. It was just a, a complete new thing for me. But it was, uh, I just um, absorbed everything like a sponge, and um, from the moment I first picked up a rugby ball, I, I, I never, never contemplated um, playing any other sport really. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, um, yeah I definitely uh, think we can probably both relate to that as well. Although, 
I mean, Tone, have you have you chucked yourself into any other sports? Uh anything that I can anyone will let me play to be fair, but uh not <laughs> not recently. No, I don't think my body can handle rugby plus anything else at the moment. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the other thing I used to do as a youngster, I used to swim a lot. I had done a lot of swimming. I was a, I was a pretty good swimmer, so um, yeah. that was the only other sport I really um I really really took seriously. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, Pretty good. Did you um? You said you sort of started when you came down to to Medway and at school and stuff. Did you have? Was there like a, a teacher in particular that was sort of a, a good influence on you yeah, when it came to was, rugby? Yeah, yeah. Um, a, um, a guy that's um very. Well, he's actually he was a teacher, but he's actually become a very good friend of mine now. He's emigrated to New Zealand. Um, a guy called Rob Fisher, who was the um master in charge of rugby at the school that I was at um, and he sort of like he introduced me to rugby and um, not only uh, was he a, a great uh, mentor uh, for rugby but he also um, got my pe people's skills as well um, he became a great uh, person leading me uh, through that throughout life so uh, a lot to thank that man for not, not indeed yeah. Yeah, fair play. That, yeah, sounds pretty good. I, I bet there's a yeah, there's a pretty pretty glowing reference for him. I bet he'd be well happy when he hears it on the, the Vigo Rugby podcast. I'm sure he's an avid listener. <laughs> in New Zealand, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've actually got we've actually got one listener in Australia so far. So <laughs> hey, we're international. That's it. What American listeners? Yep. Um, did you, so you had, uh, obviously that was a, a big influence on you. Did you have any players that you looked up to when you were a kid, when you, when you started playing? Who was, uh, who was the next, who was the one to, to sort of look up to and try and, try and emulate when you were playing rugby when you were a kid? Um, probably not so much as when I was a kid. I didn't really, I probably, like most kids, didn't really um, follow it on the, on television and obviously clubs weren't as big then as they are now um so it didn't really follow. Uh, obviously when i when i started playing um guy that obviously um was a big influence on the way that i tried to play was uh, brian moore yeah um, mm -hmm. so i loved his um, no nonsense attitude and um, his his attitude towards the opposition which was like you know <laughs> you're just a you're just a thing that's in my way, and um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, his his attitude was something that always um, always shone through for me. Did you um, uh, just a, a little segue on Brian Moore? Did um I, I heard a a story um, recently, and it was all to do with when Will Carling was given captaincy of England. Apparently, the sort of lead runner in that kind of race for that at that time was Brian Moore. People felt like he should have probably been given the captaincy rather than sort of the posh posh kid in a way. Do you remember any of that happening? Do you feel like Brian Moore missed his opportunity to be be a captain of England? Um, yeah, I think the problem with it at the time was, I mean, obviously Will Carlin went on to ruffle a few feathers, but I think probably Brian Moore was probably just not what the establishment. Um, in good old uh, rugby, English rugby would have wanted. Yeah. Um, would have probably been a bit too abrasive, I would have thought. Yeah, that kind of guy. Yeah, I guess yeah, that could have could have happened. 
when you've got the the pretty boy. I mean, it's just like having Tony in charge or having me in charge, isn't it? I suppose you just want the pretty guy in the front and. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay, well, that's. Um... <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. John will make up their own minds about that. <laughs> nice. What's uh, so? You mentioned that you started uh, started off um, in Medway. Started playing rugby there. Obviously, we know you've been at Vigo at the end of it. But what's the club list? Who did you play for? You played for your school, and then did you play for a club outside? Yeah, I played. Um, I played for a school which was called the Howard School. Um, the, that Howard School was like a um, a combination. It became a combination of two schools. Um, it was Gillingham Grammar and Rainham Boys, I believe, and they they merged and it became a big campus. Um, so that's that's where I started playing rugby, and and then I played. For, um, I didn't actually play uh, any clubs um, and. Because the, the Howard School is linked to Gillingham Anchorians. Um so I went straight from um, from school, and I played I played at Gillingham, sort of like in the when I when I was sixteen. So you know, in, back in the day, you could play you could play first team rugby at sixteen. So mm. <laughs> um, so so my my sort of my week would would exist of um, we'd have a school game on a on a Wednesday. Uh, we obviously which we played and then we'd have a school game Saturday morning and then you'd play for the club Saturday afternoon and then you play for the Colts on a Sunday. Yeah. Wow. So there's a lot of rugby. There's a lot of rugby. <laughs> I'm surprised you're still moving around freely because uh, I definitely didn't play yeah. that much and uh, I don't feel particularly free <laughs> to be honest. I'll tell you, probably tell you from trading last night I wasn't walking, walking around very freely last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I, uh, club-wise, I played. Um, I played at Gillingham and then um, moved to Beckenham and played there for a fair few seasons. Um, and then I, then I went on to coach, but I seem to sort of like get dragged into being a player coach, and that sort of like um, lasted a long time. Oh, awesome, awesome. Um, all right, and uh, with that, we'll take a quick mid-show break just a quick reminder the boys are back at training again on tuesdays and thursday nights please send tony a message if you want to get involved fixtures have been announced you can see them on the rfu website and just to let you know the show is being sponsored by checksville plastering and social media crew if you want to know anything else about them you can find them on facebook or you can go to their websites. Uh, we will share the links on the Vigo Rugby Podcast Facebook and Twitter pages. All right, let's get back to it. You mentioned um, earlier that um, a lot, a lot's changed. Um, that sort of moves us into my next kind of question. And uh, obviously, we've noticed a lot's changed since we've been playing as well. And that is obviously probably sort of half the time. Um, what? sort of things what's the, the biggest change that you see in rugby now compared to maybe when you when you were playing your playing days I guess um and has it has it been good has it been bad do you feel like rugby's a different game now completely um yeah, well rugby is a different game now yeah I mean it, it's faster um guys are fitter um but I, I, I do feel that uh I'm, I'm talking at the top level 
<laughs> Thanks. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um, some some of it's for the better. I mean, I think that the the camaraderie in rugby is there still and always will be there still. But I but I do believe that um, it's not quite the social animal it was when I start, started playing um, yeah. from the social side. Um, player, players are bigger and fitter, without a doubt. And, and that probably is even a, even down at our level. Players are, are probably bigger and fitter. Um, but there's also, you know, there, there's, there's parts of the game that, that is not as good. Um, the art of scrummaging and the art of, um, of being able to maul the ball certainly uh, is not it's not as good as it was back 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 in the day <laughs> you uh you said the um the social side you highlighted as uh i think you said animal did you say animal it wasn't not the animal that it was what uh, yeah, have you got any interesting social stories for us that kind of i mean you sort of teed us up to ask the question yeah i suppose i did really um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I can remember, I mean, as, um, going back to, um, uh, as I said, mentioned uh, old coach Rob Fisher who, who used to look after me on a Saturday when um, when, when I'd play for the club. Um, well, whether you call it looking after, I'm not sure. I mean, he just used to get me drunk. Um, <laughs> so, um, but it's, you know, we, we'd think nothing of playing an away game, two or three pub stops on the way back. Never, don't think we ever had a Saturday without getting back to the clubhouse and having a, a sing song. Um, you know, and to be honest, we never we never got in before midnight, one o'clock, and that was when pubs closed at, you know, uh, at 11, half 10, 11, but we would be in a curry house until uh, later on. And that was every Saturday. It wasn't like it was a a one-off it was like um continuous saturdays yeah which so. probably explains why so many of us are divorced <laughs> yeah nice one doesn't sound doesn't sound bad though to be honest sounds like absolutely yeah definitely definitely um so are there, have you got any specific memories from your playing days um they can be social or there can be kind of achievements on the field that you sort of still cherish now and you still remember really clearly or is it kind of all blurred into one now? I'm sure that I'm sure on the social front there's there's many but I they've probably sort of got to the stage where I forgot most of them because of the state I was in. <laughs> um, I, I suppose from a playing point of view um, yeah probably the pinnacle of my career was playing at Twickenham in the Middlesex Sevens um, which was something that I will never, never forget. Um, that was when I was at Gillingham um, back in the 80s. We had a phenomenal seven side. Um, for a few seasons, we were probably the best seven side what we were. Probably we were the best seven side in Kent. Um, and um, they had they were some very enjoyable days. Um, and I say the, the the pinnacle of that was playing in the middle six sevens. Um, I mean, I'm gonna. I feel like Tony's probably with me, but can you elaborate a little on what playing at Twickenham was like, and maybe a little bit about where you played and where you fitted into the sevens team? Because without sort of 
sounding offensive, we I would not I wouldn't have pictured you as a sort of prolific sevens player. I always presumed that you were a front row, to be honest. <laughs> well, I see that's you see my, my career started as a winger. Oh, right. Wow. <laughs> Impressive. Um, but then I, I, I discovered Guinness and the uh, the way it started to go on. Uh, no, um, we uh, as I say, we I played I played hooker at sevens, um, and that but I didn't play hooker in fifteens at that time. I was either a centre or a fullback. And it was the transition of um, playing hooker at, uh, at sevens that made me take the, uh, the step of playing uh, hooker in, at, at fifteen. Right. So it was, so it was it was that um, that that got me into it. And the experience of playing at Twickenham, albeit you know, it was a Twickenham that if you that saw the pictures um, of what the stadium looked like then, it doesn't resemble anything of what it looks like now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we still played in front of some between fifty and sixty thousand people, so um, it was oh. a, a very, uh, very memorable day. Oh, amazing. From our point of view, and, and a lot of the uh, the, the squad that um, that was, was around then, we still get together and uh, catch up every now and again. Oh, that's, uh, uh, that's awesome. Good mates, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a great. Great rugby, rugby memory, great rugby moment to have for sure. Um, I'd love to. I think Tony what would you say there's that at the top of your list as well. I think it's definitely at the top of my list to play at Twickenham at some point. I don't think it'll ever happen, but it's definitely yeah, no, that'd be uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be the dream, absolutely. I mean, I noticed a couple of years ago that Charlton Park made it, didn't they, um, to yeah. play in in a cup final at Twickenham. So I mean, there's always a chance, but. Um, it's, it's slipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's go on. Never, never say never. <laughs> That's it. Hopefully there's some sort of vets competition that we can get into. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, um, all right. Um, how old were you roughly when you started getting into coaching? You mentioned being a player coach at first. Um, and do you feel like it was a good age to get into it? Or do you feel like you should have gone in sooner or later? Or would you change it? Um, I was about 33 when I, when I first started coaching. Um, I didn't really intend to, I mean, I had intended to, to retire and, and just um, and just start coaching, but as things happen, most things happen, um, it never goes to plan, and uh, I ended up sort of like playing as well, which, which isn't a good thing for a coach to be doing. Um, so uh, I don't think there's really an age when it's right or when it's wrong. I just think it's, if you've got the if you've got the the personality to do it and you <laughs> you don't mind upsetting people, then it's a thing you can do. <laughs> it's it's not a job you you can do where you're going to be everyone's friend. That's for sure. Um, so you know you you'll hack people off at some times and um, sometimes people, you know, will pat you on the back and things, the sun shines out of your rectum. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's never, a, it's not, a, it's not, a, I don't think it's an age thing, really. it's just, for me, it was, it was the right thing to do at the right time. So. Great. Um, yeah. Where have, has your coaching taken you over the years? So the coaching, did it begin at Gillingham or was that just a stop yeah. on the way or? 
No, he did. He did. He did. It started at Gillingham. Um, Gillingham were really good with me. They um, they got through um, the first couple of uh, courses, uh, coaching courses, coaching badges, and um, so I coached there for a few years. Um, not an, not an easy one to start with because I don't. Looking back in hindsight, um, it's never easy to to coach at a club that you've actually played at, um, especially straight away because. Obviously, a lot of people know you and you're going to become a, a pretty different character quite quickly. Um, so if I had my time again, I'd probably change that. I'd probably start somewhere else. Um, from Gillingham, I, as I say, I, I was a player coach there. And then I went to Cranbrook and uh, player coach there. Um, then on to Maidstone. Maidstone, um, I mean, I had no intentions of playing. Um, but uh, one thing led to another, and I ended up playing. And uh, good time, a good good uh, few seasons when I played there because I played with my two sons. So uh, to play league rugby with two boys is quite a quite a thing. Well, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's really really good going. I always wanted to play with my dad. Only got one opportunity, and uh, I was sixteen, coming on the wing for his for his pub side in their last game they ever played. Another story, but I was uh, I was well out of place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. And they went to Beckenham, which is probably, um, probably yeah, my coaching appointments is the only one that didn't really quite work out um, for one reason or another. Um, then went to Thanet, Seven Oaks. And in between that, I coached in uh, Rochester Mass School. Joseph okay. Williams and Mathematical School, and then um, now I've ended up at Vigo. There you go. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> say the best for last. What, um, what I was going to say, the uh, the travel was hell of a commute down to down to Thanet. Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but it was uh, again, you do these things because you enjoy them, and. Um, you know, again, uh, wherever I've been, somehow where I've been, I've always had good times. Even when I was at economy, it didn't quite work out. It was still, it was still good times. Yeah. Um. But um. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So been around Kent a bit. Yeah, and you you mentioned in there that uh, you you maybe wouldn't um, start uh, coaching at a place that you play just because of obviously the relationships that you've got with people already, and it, it changes it a little bit. Is that I was going to ask you what advice you would give to anyone really who was about to embark on a coaching career um obviously that'd be one thing but is there anything else that you would put out there um yeah i'd also say that would be one thing the other thing i would say is don't be i mean the one thing i've learned over the over the years of coaching is you don't uh, coaching courses are fine and they're great and they give you an insight to what but don't be a slave to them you know, think think for yourself, think outside the box, you know, think up your own ideas, try and, try and you know, generate your own, uh, your own thought process. Um, because, because uh, you know, it, I think too many coaches just use the, the RFU sort of um, coaching uh, template and, and don't really uh, come off of it very much. To me, to me, it's it is that it's a template, and um, I think it's uh, you know a coach should come come forward with his own ideas and his own uh, his own ways of getting things over. 
Yeah, where, where would you say was the best place to start? Would you, is it, do you think there's sort of a place for people starting off with young players and then moving up? Or do you think you kind of should aim for what you're more interested in? And if that's starting with adult rugby, then that's what it is? Or do you think, you know, it might be a good idea to start with some of the youngsters and work your way through? Yeah, I think, I think if I had my time again, the one thing I'd probably do is start my coaching career would be trying to um, uh, get, in, get into a, a school and sort of like the school's first 15, which I think is a, is a great um, bedding ground to, to start, start your coaching. Because um, nine times out of ten, you're working with a lot of lads there. That they're doing it because they want to do it. They're not doing it because they have to. Um, you know, and I just think that's a good place to start because you know most schools by the time they get to their year, what is it twelve, thirteen now? Yeah, they've got a pretty good um, understanding of the game, and it's always easier, a little bit easier to coach somebody that actually understands um, a little bit of what you're trying to get over to them rather than starting someone that's you've got no idea of the game. Yeah, uh, you just just quickly, you mentioned doing it because they want to, not because they have to. Um, just sort of dawned on me that there's probably been times in your coaching that you've coached players who have been getting paid rather than paying for the privilege of playing. Do you feel like uh, you've ever noticed a difference between people that were playing because they were getting paid to play or playing because they just loved playing? Is there an obvious difference? I don't think it's... I think it goes a bit deeper than that. I think most players play rugby because they want to play rugby and they they enjoy it. Um, even the even the guys that get paid, I don't think there's any uh, any 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 thought processes of any anything else there. But the one thing I will say is that it comes down to a loyalty thing, and guys that get paid at clubs, and I'm obviously not going to mention clubs, but guys that get paid. Um, they have no real allegiance in my mind. Mm. Um, so when the, when the, you know you're out there on the rugby pitch and all of a sudden the game gets a bit tough, you know you, you you would question sometimes how much how much them guys are prepared to give to the the person standing next to them. You know, we play rugby with mates and you know you you with each other throughout the game. But a lot of these guys that play for, for clubs now, they get paid, you know, they, they play their game. They might go in the bar, they might have one beer and that's them, they're gone. Mm. Yeah. And um, that's not, to me, that's not that's not what rugby should be or how it should be, not at all. Not, not a, you know, what I would class still grassroots rugby and I would class grassroots rugby all the way up to... Um, well, below the championship, really, you know, premiership and then championship. Below that, I really, I again, own opinion. I really don't see the need for players to be paid. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's a few clubs that are still quite high up in the leagues generally uh, who don't pay players who still do just fine. It surprise, it always surprises me that clubs still go back to the, the kind of paying model to try and advance because it almost always collapses in the end, doesn't it? Um, uh, yeah, I, yeah, my experience has been that, that it actually rips the soul out of clubs. 
because yeah. you just get a lot of people feeling very aggrieved that somebody comes along and gets paid for playing at their club. And you just get the old thing, well, why is he worth such and such and I'm only worth such and such or I'm not worth anything at all. Uh, just, just really just breeds ill feeling within a club. Mm, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. Uh, hopefully um, all the situations at the top of the game right now with, with money and finances is, is changing a lot. Hopefully it will filter down and we'll get back to just more clubs just, and players just playing for loving the game. With a bit of luck. Yep. Um, we got so we're getting down to to the bare bones of the questions. But um, the last one I've got written down is: Do you still feel the same buzz whether you are playing or coaching? Because we've all still seen you get angry and get the fire. Um, so we know we know there's a lot there. But is it is it different when you play or when you coach? Or I mean, do you feel like you've noticed a change? Or I mean, are you even angrier on the sideline? <laughs> <laughs> No, believe you me, I was a lot more angry when I used to play. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a different, it's a different buzz. Um, you can never replace playing. I mean, you know, that's that's the best thing in the world is to actually uh, uh, to be playing, to be out there uh, playing is the best thing in the world. And coaching comes a you know close second, but it, it doesn't quite match it. Um, yeah, I mean, I still, I still wake up most Saturday mornings, and you know, the first thing I will do is start thinking about the game, thinking about you know my my posters and things I'm going to put up around the changing rooms, take the dog out for a walk, and tell her exactly what's going to be going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, and and I still, you know, I still feel. I still get that little tingle, that little bit of nerves before a game. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great feeling, but it doesn't match the feeling of playing, wow. without a doubt. So, your advice to players would be continue playing for as long as you can, and then do you coaching afterwards? Well, yeah, I mean, but I you know, you can... You can carry on playing, as I say, but you can start your coaching career by looking to coaching at schools or coaching the, the, the junior sections of your club. So it doesn't mean to say that, you, you know, you have to, um, you just have to do one and then not the other. Um, but I just think it's, you know, you're a long time retired. I mean, and I, I first tried to retire when I was 33 and then carried, went on to carry on playing until I was 48. So, nice. Wow. So that that never ever went quite to plan. <laughs> well, you you done very well to be playing until forty eight. I dread to think what was going on in your body at forty eight while you were running around a rugby pitch because there's got to be some broken mean, stuff in there. <laughs> probably wasn't a lot of running to be quite fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably like to think and delude myself that there was, but yeah. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, it probably wasn't. I could still I could still do a job when I got to the scrum, and I could still still uh, hit anyone if they uh, come pretty close around a, a ruck or a mall. Um. <laughs> Always the guard. Always the guard. It's all right. There's yeah. definitely there's definitely yeah, room for that. Space. Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, mate. Well, look. Thank you very much for joining us today. It's been uh, it's been good to have a, a bit of a chat about about 
past things before you came along to Vigo and hopefully it's given everyone a bit of an insight into uh, what you what you did before and maybe a bit of an idea of uh, what they want to do when they finish playing and give them a bit of advice too. So thanks very much for that. No worries, it's been great. Good to talk to you and hope to see you soon training Nick. Oh, hopefully, I hope to be there soon. Promise. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cheers, John. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, Nick. Cheers. Speak to you soon. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Vigo Rugby Podcast. We are now going to get into our beer reviews. Our little review of a few different beers that we find that we've that we've tried over lockdown. Obviously, this is the last uh, this is the last lockdown special. So, um, don't know whether we we'll keep it. Do we keep our beer reviews going into the new series next year? I reckon so. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any harm. Yeah. <laughs> Try some more new beers. What uh, what beers have we got this week, guys? I've gone for oh. the uh, the good old boy, which is one I've found. Who's that? The... Who that? No way! West Berkshire Brewery. Yeah. It's, it, it I have the uh, Maharaja IPA from the West Berkshire Brewery. Who's your master brewer? Well, now I've left out. Angle? Head Brewer, Will Twomey. Oh, this is uh, Dave Mags. Ah, uh, right. Oh, Will Twomey and Dave Mags. Oh, that's what <laughs> I've got. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> so I'm definitely not, like, looking up, you know, prices of it and, and that. But I, uh, I literally, I went onto their website then, and it's like, good old boy is their big thing. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the Maharaja, eh? Interesting. Indeed. Both probably, uh, well, maybe not the good old boy, but uh, Maharaja definitely a little bit more exotic than my mine this week, which is a Cornish Ale tribute. Um, oh, it's a classic. From the St. Austell Brewery. Um, who wants to jump in first? Remember, we score this on taste, bottle, colour and value. Up to you guys. Who wants to take the lead? Do you want to go, Jakey? Yeah, go on. I was just, I was just reading some facts. Yeah. I was just reading some facts. It's, uh, it's only vegan when it's in a bottle, which I, I found interesting because I can't see what they're doing to it when it goes into a barrel. But bottle, good, good label, I think. It's very clear what it is. I'm going to give it... Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm going to give it a seven. It's a big bottle as well, which is what you want for your beer. Mm. Uh, Price-wise, it's half a litre. Is one pound seventy-five in uh, Waitrose. Mister McSweeney would probably know. So I think that's decent, that's decent to be fair. It's a lot of beer. Um, I'm, I'm gonna give that an eight. Color. I mean, that's that's interesting. Oh, look at that. Oh, it's dark. <laughs> it's very dark. It looks a little bit like like you know. After you've been out on a session, you have a piss. It's about that colour. I'm going to give it a five for colour. I'm not a fan of dark beers. And then taste. It's right, actually. I'm going to give it, I'm gonna give it a seven. And I'm, not, I'm not a big fan, but it's quite fizzy. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be this fizzy or it's just gone off. Nice. So you've gone for a seven for taste, an eight for the bottle, five for the colour. And what was the value? I'm going to go for a seven for the value. Seven. Seven, seven for the value. 
Very nice for the good old boys. Good, solid scores for the good old boy. Weighed oh, in at joint second for taste. And yeah. actually, second spot for, for bottle as well. No, first spot for bottle. Yeah, I'm a big fan of it. Wow, well done to the good old boy. Do you want to uh, jump on next for the Maharaja tone? Sure. Um, also from the West Berkshire Brewery. Um, what are we doing first? Bottle? Yeah. I well, think that's um, pretty reasonable. Yeah. Nice little funky, funky colours. So I'll go for uh, go for an eight as well. Nice. Joint top on the bottle. Colour, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably say it's yeah the same, <laughs> just as Jake described. Um, same beer here, or? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say this is the, so. This is what happened after. Uh, when I made it earlier, but um, I don't think that's a bad colour for a beer. To be fair, uh, I go six. No, seven. Yeah, seven. Nice. Yeah. Um, what else are we doing? Taste. Um, so I've had it before, but I'll taste it now anyway. But well, I think it. I think it tastes like the summertime. I think it's great. Uh, real big fan. It's fresh, uh, vibrant. Yeah. Um, but so I. So I don't. I don't know if that's the term. But like, I think it's. I think it's quite happy. Um, it says on the back of the phone. Just, just read it. <laughs> He's it's like, a, it's, it's, uh, it's a full, it's like a full, wildflowers and raspberries. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a full-bodied, uh, world-hopped jaw-dropper. Yeah. Uh, Has yours got like, a little rating where it says how bitter and sweet it is? Yeah, it's four bitter, three sweet. Oh, mine's a free and free. It's uh, similar beers. Resinous, bitter, and tropical to taste, to smell. It's earthy, fruity pine. And uh, and it's a golden colour. Okay, very nice. What would you give it for taste out of interest, Tone? Now I was that we say, giving it for taste. <laughs> Described it. I'd say eight, eight point five, Ooh. eight point five. Eight point five. That is a beer. Best tasting beer we've had so far. We're just looking for value now from for the Maharaja Tone. Um. So. I can't see how much it is for 12 bottles. Um, but you can get a nine pint mini peg, mini keg for 18.50. So we're talking about two pounds a pint if you work it out, so, oh, that, which is pretty cheap, really. Yeah, so I reckon... 40, 150 a bottle, I'd say. Yeah, something like that. Not bad. So let's do it. Seven, seven point five. The value. And the Maharaja jumps in to top the ratings. That is definitely yeah. the top of the ratings for now. It's certainly my my favourite beer that I've uh, reviewed on this on this podcast. Ooh, high Absolutely. high praise, high praise. Well, I'd just like to pay tribute to my. <laughs> which was a tribute from St. Austell. Um, and the, I start off with the bottle. Um, I'm not really sure what the bottle looked like at the time, 
um, because I got it in a pint, which was silly of me. Um, but I have looked up the bottle. Um, it's a very standard no frills, no frills bottle. It wasn't super exciting. So I'm going to go for a six on the bottle. Um, the colour, it was quite dark. Um, not quite as dark as Jake's, but not quite as light as the Maharaja. I, do, I like a light kind of golden ale as well. So I'm going to give that a seven. Um, Value-wise, it was £4.10, my pint. Bear in mind it was in a, in a public house. So, I mean, obviously there's a bit of markup there. Um, £4.10. Gonna have to give it a six. Quite an expensive pint, isn't it? That. Out where you are, yeah. Yeah, is I mean London price really. Um, semi London price, I guess. Um, and lastly, uh, the taste. It tasted, I thought, an absolute dream. So I'm gonna give it an eight for taste. One of my one of my best tasting Cornish or Devon uh, ale so far since in my in my time down here in the countryside. So <clears throat> eight six seven six. Not coming close to the 8.5877.5 of the Maharaja, which is the uh, the season champion, I'd say, of the beer reviews. It's a great beer. It's done very well. Very, very well. Yeah. Very impressive for the uh, for the beer reviews. They've yeah, been saving it, saving it for the last one. That's it. Well, Although we're doing more now. Hooray. We might do more. We'll do more next next season when that eventually starts. So far, we've obviously got the uh, the fixtures out that say Saturday the twenty sixth of September would be the first official game if that is when we are allowed to start playing, and if not, it'll be first week of Jan from what it looked like on the calendars. It looks like um, they're going to just start whenever they can. Yeah. So they've got a ten week road to sort of system. Um, so if we end up starting in week seven, they'll play week seven, week eight, week nine, week 10, and then just go back to week one. Right. When they can. Right. Um, so I imagine, so essentially they've got those three stages. Um, the first stage, so we've been split into the league's been split into two groups geographically. So we're in the sort of the Kent uh, and the east side of it group. Um, so that that 10 weeks, uh, so six teams in that group, that 10 weeks is us putting them home and away. Um, then phase two would be playing everyone else, either home or away. And then phase three would be the um, reverse fixture of those that we've just played uh, in phase two. So if you played them away in phase two, you play them home in phase three. But I, I don't think that's that's ever going to happen. I think best case we get phase two out and done. Well, you know, hopefully, worst case, we start in January and we just do the whole of phase one and get 12 games out. Um, sorry, 10 games out. Nice. Well, uh, yeah, either way, something to look forward to, hopefully, now that the, the structure's there and the list is there. And we open our season up against... Aylesford? Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I think Aylesford. Aylesford's a good shout. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I'm sorry, so, no, it is Aylesford, you're right. You are right. I have a... I have a... 
from the from the ever ever faithful fixture secretary Martin Lingham. Shout out. Hey Martin. Elsewhere balls at home. Elsewhere balls at home at the end of September. What a day, what a day that was last year. Yeah, well yeah, yeah. I wasn't here. But you know, I'm sure it'll be probably better <laughs> this year. Definitely <laughs> better, buddy. Probably the best game we played last year. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. On that note, we'll, uh, <laughs> we will uh, we will see you, uh, or we will or you hear from us uh, on probably around that date when we restart with the season. Um, that is when we'll be looking to come back, as this is the final lockdown special. Um, Thanks very much for joining me today and throughout the year, Tony and Jake. No worries, mate. Pleasure as always. Yeah, good to see you uh, and good to have a chat. Um, if you can get down there, get down to training on Tuesdays and Thursdays, let Tony know if you can make it. That would be great. And we will see you in a few months' time. See you later. See you later. Please. Please.